Hello and welcome to the next episode of A Practice Odyssey. I'm Jen. And I'm Alex. And today we are uh, doing, well, what's become a bit of a tradition. Alex, what are we looking at? <gasps> we are looking at a soprano on her head, right side up reflections on life and other performances by the lovely Eloise Ristad. I'm very excited about this. Yeah, so am I, actually. I think any time we've read any books on music psychology up to this point, even on the podcast, they've always mentioned this one. I definitely know it's in, it's in Sharon Sparrow's method, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. her, her, her book that we did a few seasons ago. It definitely comes up all the time. Oh, yeah. yeah. It was mentioned all the time at uni, and it's on quite a few syllabuses at university yeah. for reading. Yes, that's that's how I, I, I got my copy, actually. Nothing else. Nice. So. I got mine on Kindle, everybody. It's available on Amazon Kindle. Ten bucks. There's no audiobook version, and I think yeah. this book would be a great audiobook. It would be, I'm actually. Saying, because, anyways, without spoilers, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll stop there for now. But yes, I think somebody somebody get the rights and make this an audiobook. Definitely. Um, so, Alex, yeah. what can you tell us about who this person is and what this book is about? Oh, okay. So let me talk a little bit about Eloise here. So Eloise Ristad was born in 1925. She was a well-renowned piano player and teacher. She was also the mother to eight children. So superwoman. Yeah. Uh, Eloise gave a series of master classes around the USA titled The Performer Within that uh, would help students unlock their performing potential. And her book, A Soprano on Her Head, was first published in 1982 and was based on her experiences with students in these master classes. It was considered the first book to delve into the world of music psychology in the same lines of sports psychology books, uh, such as the likes of Timothy Green's The Inner Game of Tennis. And she was working on her second book and still giving master classes at the time of her death in 1985 while canoeing in Michigan. So we're all quite sad that there is not a second yeah. book. It's a wild, it's a wild story. I mean, like I finished the end of the, I finished the end of the book, and then it's just got this little blurb. Yeah. So this is how the book ends, which is really weird because you've just read a end note from Eloise Ristad, and then in this tiny little box at the end of the book it says Eloise Ristad died on October 26 1985 at the age of 60 she had been writing a sequel to this book while staying at a friend's house on the shore of the Great Lakes she was canoeing one afternoon when a squall tipped her canoe and she died peacefully of hypothermia I'm seeing they go what yes I remember that because I've, I've had two copies of this book. One got lost in one of my moves, and so I bought a second one. And this, mm. the first one had that because I was so excited after I finished it. And I was I was thinking, this this woman is amazing. She's life-changing. Spoiler alert. Um, and <laughs> I want to go take a master class with her right now. And then you read that, and you're like, what? Yeah. Very sad. It, it was actually was quite tragic. hard reading that because, I mean, the book yeah. is... Uh, again, I feel like I'm just making all these spoilers, but the book is all just written <laughs> about her stories and her experiences and her students. So you kind of mm-hmm. really feel like you know her by the end or like, you know, at least you've yes. had a really good couple of cups of coffee with her as you like <laughs> caught up and learned her life story. Mm-hmm. And then you just got that and you're just like, oh my gosh, my new friends died. Yes, I was... 
I was also very upset when I read that. I remember feeling that too. And, and and thank you for saying that because I was reading this book this time and I was wanting to mention that when we were discussing it, but the one I have now is a first edition. <laughs> it's from 1982. No, no other one. I know. Where did you find this? I, I, don't, I think I just ordered it online. Um, it was used. <laughs> it's by, it's originally yeah. either a, a Daryl or a Cheryl Stephen. So if you're out there and you happen to listen to our podcast, I have your Get book. In touch. Thank you for selling it yeah. to me. Um, but it doesn't have that. And so I was thinking maybe I had just imagined it because the last time like, I read this book in depth was when I was 17. So I was quite young then. Yeah. So thank you, Jen. I feel much better. I did not imagine it okay. at all. But guys, speaking of editions, let's talk about the breakdown of this book. The, so how, as Jen and I have already sort of um, alluded to, this book is told in narrative form, hence our tragic state currently, containing 16 mm -hmm. chapters. Each chapter follows um, a narrative, often one from Eloise's own, own experiences, which leads to a, a lesson learned from the experience and how we can apply that knowledge to our own performances. The book also contains some music examples and various visuals to help the reader with these exercises. Uh, the book does not have to be read in order, stated by Miss Bristad, and the reader can and the reader can choose sections they find most relevant. The table of contents I thought was particularly interesting because it contains the titles for each of the sixteen chapters, but then it also gives you a brief synopsis to help the reader choose the section they would like to read, mm. which I thought was really mm. great. And I remember her saying in there too, she wishes that she could just publish the book as like a circle with each chapter just being part of a circle, kind of like, mm -hmm. you know, so nothing is mm -hmm. more important. You know, they all have mm. the same amount of importance and you can choose your own adventure in a way. So that's the book. And that's what Jen and I have read for the past, read and uh, put into practice for the last two weeks mm. in our own personal practice yep. for anyone who's new to the podcast. And now we're going to report to you, the listeners, on if this changed our life, if it didn't change our life. We'll try not to spoil our verdict. We have a hard time doing that sometimes because <laughs> we get very excited <laughs> <Shopped> about these. <laughs> um, and then, uh, yeah, and we'll, we'll see how we go. So without further ado, Jen, how was your week one mm. living by a soprano on her head? Did you spend the week on your head or did you? Uh, no. Well, yeah. I guess I, I'm, I mean a lot of my a lot of my preconceptions were turned on their head. Oh, yeah, I got this book and um, yeah, and I read her kind of instructions on how to deal with it. So first, I really um, I kind of wanted to break down what this book was. So actually, first I kind of it all sounded pretty interesting. So I just just decided I'd just work through the whole book in order just because I really had no imagination about it whatsoever. Um, but actually what I liked was um, first I just read through the whole book and um, I'd, and then wrote down the exercises from each chapter, like what was the Ooh. exercise that she was doing, like the nugget of the idea and the way which she meant to work on it, um, just so I could get an idea of each exercise. That's and it actually idea. turned out really beautifully so I, I looked at all those exercises um so once I read through I looked at the exercises and then I looked at the ones which kind of 
piqued my interest, I guess. I decided to do a couple in week one and then a couple in week two. The ones I kind of focused on the most in week one was the dancing exercise. This is from like chapter, chapter three. three. Mm. This is what I called the dancing exercise. Um, where basically you just get a recording of music or various recordings of music um, and you dance to them or move to them, she says. Anyway, it turned out into a dance party quite a few times. <laughs> um, I have to say this week involved a lot of times of me doing these exercises, which she tells you to do, and Tom walking into the... Tom's my husband, for all those who don't know. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> so he he would walk into the room to find me doing something slightly bizarre, like just dancing by myself in a room. Or... Um, the other one which I also piqued my interest was the juggling exercise. Oh, what? So week one, I attempted to teach myself how to <gasps> juggle because she said, like, the juggling uh, helped well. She used it in the context of helping with um, sight reading and with memorization. Um, but she also said it turns out to be, like, a really good um, physical warm-up for playing as well because, you know, you're using your hands, your arms, you're loosening up. Fingers, And then also yeah. when you get good, which I have to say... I never got to. You can you can get into quite a meditative state. It kind of like mm. slows, puts you in the now, stops you from getting. Oh yeah, I freaked out. But this is this is where we got into issues with the juggling. Um, <laughs> is because, you know, of course, like I'm just like, oh, juggling, yeah, sure. Um, strangely, we don't have juggling balls in our house. <laughs> I don't know why. I think it's a definite shortcoming which should be addressed immediately. <laughs> Tom, when I asked him about this, had the great idea that maybe I should use socks. Oh. So I rolled up socks into little balls and tried to juggle. Turns out it's not very good as a juggling medium as the socks do not have enough heft. Mm. Uh, so they tend to bounce out of your hand. So it made it slightly more difficult. I think the challenge was uh, slightly increased. That's what I tell myself when I think about my juggling. Oh, yeah, for sure. When I think about my juggling, that's what I'm going to say. It was the socks, um, not me. Uh, no, but I did. So I, I would be juggling. So Tom would often also walk into rooms and then just find me randomly throwing socks aimlessly around the room as I tried to juggle. So Tom had also a very interesting week in terms of experiences. Um, but, yeah. Those So those are the two which I kind of incorporated into my practice time. Mm. And with the juggling, maybe just because I didn't – well, I, I, she says the juggling gives you a meditative feeling. Um, I never got that. I didn't experience that at all when I juggled. But after doing the juggling for a while, A, yes, it really did limber up my arms. It felt <laughs> and, and it made me feel quite relaxed in my shoulders. So, you know, I went to the flute actually feeling quite nice. Um, and in, in the present, because I guess I'd been doing something and trying to learn something, but she's, um, but I did feel like I was quite, I was like in a good kind of focused state. So when I went to practice, it wasn't kind of like, you know how sometimes your brain's a bit like in a meh, 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 meh mm-hmm. mood and it takes you a while to like really get, well, sometimes, you know, it takes me a bit of time to kind of get in the zone where actually I'm doing really good work instead of faffing, right. flute faffing. Um, so <laughs> I found that this juggling kind of really reduced the, the flute faffin. Mm. And, um, yeah, I just went in feeling ready to play and feeling really good. Mm-hmm. So, look, I think I, I might actually go and <laughs> I might actually go and buy some <gasps> juggling balls 
And um, see if I can get this going really uh, more because actually, I mean, it seems weird, but I could totally see this being a thing in auditions. Yeah, to like <laughs> you know help those you. Horrible rooms? Yeah, where they're all playing. Yeah, when you're like sitting there <laughs> trying not to listen to the 15 incredible people in all the rooms around you and get psyched out mm-hmm. or think about the horrible excerpt which you really hope is not going to be picked. Um, just, you know, doing some juggling. Yeah, um, I think that would be great. I would, I would be, yeah. and plus maybe you'll psych out the other 15 players. They're like, who is this girl <laughs> sitting here juggling Why socks? Is she juggling? <laughs> so yeah, that was my week one full of juggling and dancing. That's also like a fantastic um, week one. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was quite fun. I was like, oh, this is quite a fun odyssey we are on at the moment yeah so how was how was your week one alex uh yes so my week one uh was good it was i you know i kind of started my in week one i started the way i like to normally start my projects with research so i um I, I mentioned earlier, I think even in this podcast, that I, I have read through the entire book previously back in high school when I was having a lot of performance anxiety issues. And I don't know if anyone else in our podcast, on our podcast, can relate. Um, or any listeners, yeah. not just Jen. <laughs> Jen's the only one on this podcast. Oh, my gosh. But, um, 100% but, um, I could... I was really struggling with performance anxiety. So I would go to my flute lessons down in uh, Dickinson, Texas, and I would play them for my teacher. And she would be like, great, great job. Sounds amazing. You're doing a great job. This is like, you're on the right track, blah, blah, blah. You're going to do great this competition. And then the competition would come up and I would do okay. Like I would always place somewhere, but it would never be first, never second. So I would always, Mm. I I would, I would get blown away by these people who wouldn't practice as much, but were really good performers. And so she gave me this book Mm. to try and help me figure out what was wrong. So, and she said, Oh Mm. yeah, maybe this book will help you figure out what's going on, what this like missing link is. And yeah. And then I had another competition coming up and the, the, competition right after I'd finished reading this book I did insanely well like I think I got second and so I was and everyone was super blown away and they were like wow what happened I was like I read this book so so that was my past experience with it um but I I always keep a copy with me and there's certain passages that I've highlighted um that I always remember just to Mm. kind of reflect on before I do certain things so it was definitely about time for me to do a thorough read through. So yes, so I was very excited to delve back into it because oftentimes you can recognize different things that maybe you didn't the first time around because you've gained all these life experiences. So I was very excited to start reading it again. So I figured I would start off with a little bit of research. Um, I delved in because I remember reading it originally and there not being much information. So I was thinking, oh, okay, now we have the world of the, the, the internet and there's tons of you know papers being done. And I'm sure somebody, and this book is always mentioned, even nowadays in modern publishings, uh, like new articles that are written Mm -hmm. or books, they, they Mm -hmm. mention this book. So I'm like, I'm sure somebody's written something about this. Um, and it turns out, no, no, but why isn't anybody doing research onto like into this always mentioned, but never really delved into the person herself or like the ideas or maybe some of the other things she had taught in her master classes, any observers. It's very yeah. hard to find information. Yeah. 
put the information that I did find in the show notes along with a somebody has uploaded a video recording of Eloise talking about her master classes, uh, The Performer Within. And so thanks to that video, we now know how yeah. to say her last name correctly. Uh, at least I do, because mm. I was not saying it right before. Um, <laughs> uh, so, but yeah, and also hear her talk about everything that she's teaching and kind of get an idea of the person she was. So I found that video on Vimeo and I also found a few, she also published some of her own works and you can watch those being performed on YouTube, which I thought was also really cool. Um, so I did a bit of that to get to know who she was because I hadn't done that before the first time I read it. And then when I delved back into the book, I started similar to you, Jen. So my first, I focused on chapters mm. one to three for the first two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Similar, and this was kind of similar to what I'd done when I'd read it the first time too. So I figured right now my personal life is a little chaotic, not too crazy, but we are in a move. And a construction move. You're moving. And that's always fun. And with someone who suffers from a dust allergy, um, with all the dust in the air, this was a nice supplement for the practice. Like, just a a lot of mental practice has been done. And so, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, for I I noticed that for chapters one and two, she talks a lot about how to handle our inner judges. Um, So, I Mm -hmm. did a bit of that initially, like just listening to mine. So, a lot of, and here's where I think it would make a great audio book because there's sections where she has you close your eyes and then tells you what to think. But the problem is, (laughs) you can't read what we're supposed to think while our eyes are closed. (laughs) So, (laughs) so I actually recorded myself saying those bits. Then I uh, closed my eyes and then played my recording. So, then I could kind of emulate this and try to streamline the experience a bit. Um, Mm. And I did find it useful. Of course, then my inner judges... (laughs) Like, you will never be an audiobook narrator. What do you call this quality of talking? <laughs> you host a podcast? <laughs> I was like, and, but at the same time, there's me reading the thing, telling me not to listen to these voices or like, you know, make caricatures of them, which was a lot of fun. <laughs> so that was a nice little um, inception moment of the exercise. Uh, so yeah, that was really, gr- really interesting. Uh, and, but it, it was very helpful. I found that, yeah, I, I, I always forget how much our inner judges hold us back. Why, why do, why are they such a big part of our lives and why do we allow them to have so much power? You know, it's, ugh, it's mm. interesting because I, I, I'm like, it kind of comes from like, you know, we want to do well, but then recognizing that doing well doesn't mean that like we have to allow these horrible voices or things saying that we're not a good player Mm -hmm. or why should we even try or whatever they're saying in your brain to like happen. Mm. But, um, but yeah, sorry. Yeah. That's really Uh interesting. No, you, you bring up a great point because the, the big, I don't know if I'm misremembering, but previously in the other books that we've looked at, They've, they've kind of, the judges have always been purely negative. It's kind of like ways to kind of shut them mm-hmm. up. But what I actually like about Eloise is, is, is she says, you know, they're trying to help, <laughs> um, but they just go a bit out yes. of control. So actually listen to what they have to say and try and figure out what they're doing because 
Yeah, I mean, the judges, I guess, get built up in our minds so much because we're often, we use them a lot during practicing. Yes. Um, because they help us uh, critically listen to what we're doing and identify the mistakes and, and figure out ways to get around them. But the problem is we kind of want to turn them off when we're performing because they're not very helpful then. But the problem is if, like, what, we spend how much percentage time practising compared to how much percentage time performing. (laughs) So it kind of makes sense that the judges would be just really, really solidly established Mm -hmm. as and associated with, I pick up my instrument, immediately my inner judges go on. It's always tricky for getting that balance and being like, okay, I, I, cause yeah, I, I did like that too, how she, she does mention that. And I think that I delved a little more into that in week two for, um, for the prep for this mm. podcast. But yeah, just like it's, they usually come from like, okay, I want to, you know, I, 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 I tell myself these things or they, these things have like a certain purpose, like they do help us, but not to let them have such a purpose that we aren't able to, perform and then yeah like when you're performing that's not the same as practicing practicing it's very you know a little mm-hmm. more analytical what's wrong what do I need to do to help make this performance better but the, the performance that's when you need to like just let the music shine through uh, not think about what's going wrong every mm-hmm. second so just have a little fun <laughs> bring a little sparkle I love that story about the um the, she mentions a is it a pianist performing the Grieg for a competition, and she's super like in her head about it. So she just has her go and take a walk, and she comes back, and she's got like all these beautiful like f- like from her fall walk. She talked about the crinkle of the leaves and everything else, and she was really out of her head. Yeah. And then she was like, "Okay, don't touch the music uh, between now and the performance." And then when the performance came, she was able to yeah. bring this like sparkly joy to it that I was missing before. So, uh, inner judges uh, is what I did for week one, along with a little dancing too, Jen. I also had some dance parties for chapter three. Um, the dance to help us kind of release our inner child slash performer. Mm. So, so yeah, mm. so I definitely danced this week to a few of the pieces I'm working on, which was Whee! a lot of fun. <laughs> and I'm just, uh, I have to say, and, and my husband Marco also uh, walked in a few times. I think it was like, why are we dancing? <laughs> it was like, yeah, dance party in the kitchen. Well, I'm practicing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so yeah, and it kind of helps relieve some of the stress and takes the pressure off. So yeah, I, I thought that was really mm. fun. But yeah, I ended my no, my week one dancing, so I was having a good time. It was pretty good. <laughs> but I want to I want to hear like you mentioned before mm-hmm. about the the inner judges and how that led into week two. So what what did you do in week two? Yeah, so. Uh, in, so yeah, speaking of like sort of inner judges and them talking to me, even when I'm not playing the flute, because I think everybody has their inner Mm. judges, but yeah, so it's been a bit of a construction war zone at home. Just like I mentioned in week one, Mm. it's still been going on throughout week two. And I was feeling very stressed and overwhelmed because I was like, oh my gosh, uh, inner judge, I got to finish this book. We're doing it for the podcast. I have to read every single chapter. And what mm-hmm. am I doing? I'm mm-hmm. doing not mm-hmm. enough. And then I stopped and I was like, oh my gosh, this is my inner judge. <laughs> Solve the witness. <laughs> I was like, okay, who is going like, yes, we do. But like, 
we do try to finish the whole book and report back to you, the listeners, every week. However, another constraint of our, or another stipulation we, we put is that we also listen to the author and what they want you to do with the book. And Eloise clearly states that, you know, you can read the book out of order and, you know, it's basically to help you develop mm-hmm. as a player. And so I think she would be okay mm-hmm. if I didn't finish the entire book. And so... I think she yeah, would be. so I was like, oh, okay. So I didn't say bad judge in my head. I was just like, oh, what if we just focus on a few chapters and do those instead and then report back? And then, you know, eventually I will continue reading this book. But to, like, actually bring something to the podcast that's not a crazy, frantic <laughs> retelling of, like, yeah. my week sneezing, trying to do all the different exercises in this book. <laughs> Um, yes. So, so yeah, so I decided to kind of silence my inner judge, not silence or like, you know, hear them out, be like, Hey, yeah, but you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this instead. And so, so I, Mm -hmm. I read through her table of contents as she recommends and kind of read through her little synopsis for each chapters. And I decided to kind of continue with the inner judges, uh, working with those guys. Uh, so chapters 11, uh, the maybe I should keep these and chapter 12, the maybe I like my problems <laughs> and decided to kind of work through those during this week, Ooh. which was really great because chapter 11 is really all about the power of shoulds because she talks about how it's like, oh, I should be doing this or I should be doing that. And it's how kind of like this perpetual feeling of busyness that a lot of people have <laughs> also be. Uh, it's like, oh, if mm-hmm. I'm not busy, I'm not being productive and people are going to tell me I'm lazy, mm-hmm. blah, 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 and everything. And so, but it's just like, maybe we shouldn't listen to those voices because maybe that's where a lot of these problems come in. And that's what detracts, you know, from like, like, yes, you have to, you should do all these things, but like, <laughs> what is this doing to help your playing? And like, actually just think about those aspects of it. So... So, yeah. yeah. So I, I liked that. I was like, hmm, interesting. I've never thought about this. I think, yeah, busyness is kind of a problem in our day and age. And it's, um, I forget if it's in that chapter or in one of the other chapters where she's talking about the mm-hmm. um, the uh, conservatory lunch hall, where it's basically everybody just being <laughs> like, oh, I had to practice four hours on five measures in this Brahms concerto, and it's still crud. Like, it's not that great. Oh, and God. they're like, oh, it's kind of like that um, sketch from Monty. <laughs> Python, they're like, oh, you had an Oriental Yorkshireman. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> oh, and I was allowed could... to sleep in a cardboard like... box. And... I just went Irish. <laughs> I don't even know how to do Yorkshire. <laughs> oh, but it really is. It's like that sketch. And people, it's just like, you know, the yeah. being, uh, you know, like perpetuating this, like, oh, uh, to be a musician, we have to be struggling and we have to be performing 12 or practicing 12 mm. hours a day and da 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 da. da. Yes. And she just talks. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. And she really oh. just shines the light on that whole like uh, myth there. It is like, mm, you think this is really helpful? Yeah. Because that's the kind of, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, um, but yeah, like, yeah. Kind of, yeah, not listening so much to the shoulds. So I was kind of, I tried to do that. And at the beginning of the day <laughs> during this move, I would be like, oh, well, I should, you know, kind of like, oh, I should do this for the house and cleaning up and I should be doing this. And I've got like five bazillion things on my plate. Mm-hmm. So it's really easy to fall into this narrative, especially when you've got mm-hmm. a lot of things going mm-hmm. on. 
then so I, I tried to focus instead on being like, okay, but what, like, like okay, but like what do I, what would actually be helpful for me today? Like these are all the things I should do, but like mm-hmm. if I don't sweep the floor, it's gonna be okay for another day. Like okay, my allergies might act up, but I can go on a walk mm-hmm. outside and that'll be okay. So I've taken a little bit more time as well. Just like this past week, I've gone on a walk every single day for like at least 20 or 30 minutes and it's just oh, been wow. uh lovely and i've just noticed i'm a little calmer when i come into my flute stand my brain's yeah. not racing a little bit yeah. much uh, not as much so yeah, yeah just kind of like taking a little time for myself so i did that trying to figure yeah. out my shoulds and then chapter 12 with the yeah. maybe i like my problems which just <gasps> yeah that, right mm-hmm. oh that is that is the yes. juiciest oh, chapter. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I can't believe you tackled <laughs> that one. I was just like, I'm not I'm not ready to know if I like my well, problems I feel like... yet. I'm probably gonna save that for a, a weekend I can tell up and and, and have like a good cup of hot chocolate to help cover while you read the chapter (laughs) yeah well I saw it and I just felt like it spoke to me you know so oftentimes like I feel like I know all my problems and I come in and I I remember I did this lesson with a flutist in Cologne uh, a few years back Mm -hmm. and I played horribly because I was nervous Um, and he just stared and he's like well what do you think's wrong with this and I stated three or four things and he was like yep that's exactly what I was going to say (laughs) and it's like so I'm aware Mm -hmm. of all these problems and it's like okay but like if I'm aware of them like like why are they still there so anyway so I like that she was like maybe I like my problems I'm like maybe that's the problem because like often I can be like oh yeah I can tell you exactly what was wrong with every single thing because you know my inner judges are on point (laughs) just there think because her whole idea it's not really our problems that are the problem (laughs) it's how we approach and view our problems and that and that's what can affect Mm. if we are able to overcome them So, like, maybe we see them, but Mm. we, like, she has this great question she asks. It's like, what does my problem buy me? So for me, so something that we've talked about on the podcast is something that I always have to keep in my arsenal uh, very highly practices my articulation. Like, that's something that for me, it doesn't come as naturally as, say, Mm -hmm. like, technique or playing high G's in tune. I don't know, whichever. (laughs) Um, So I was like, what does my articulation problem buy me? And I was like, oh, well, I can just always say like, oh, I'm not good at articulation. And then I went down this whole rabbit hole of like, but you know, like what makes somebody good at articulation? Like is the art of practicing it a whole bunch. So it sounds good. Like, um, mean that you're better at it. Anyways, I tripped out on that a tiny bit. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just like what but yeah it kind of just it, it helps me create this voice for my inner judges like oh let's hope that they don't choose Mendelssohn Scherzo because you only practiced your articulation four times this week instead of five and it probably means that you're gonna sound flubby so and it was yes very trippy kind of listening yeah. to my voices do that but so but trying to acknowledge that like oh my voices buy me this kind of safety net of being like oh well when I come back and I'm like why did I make that mistake it's like oh well you're just not good at articulation and so 
that's like I, I give mm. myself that excuse every time. Which this was very groundbreaking this week, but <laughs> but yeah, it kind of just lets me Whoa. be like, oh. Yeah, well, you're just not good at that. And it's like, yeah, but what makes you good at it? Like, practice it. Like, it's, like maybe it's a little harder, but it doesn't mean that you're not good at it. In fact, if you practice it a whole yeah. bunch, you're probably better at it than the average individual. So, yes. anyways. so I've, You did do a whole piece of beatboxing, which was <laughs> essentially a whole piece of articulation. And mm. listeners, it sounded wild. It was so good. <laughs> well, um but yeah, it's crazy these narratives we tell ourselves. But and that I totally one hundred percent normally buy. But because of this book, I'm looking at them. So I've been trying mm-hmm. to approach my problems not as much, not trying to say that they aren't there. Like I do work mm-hmm. more on my articulation than I say do on scales and getting finger alignment for myself. But mm-hmm. not really seeing it as as a negative thing. Viewing it as more as a positive mm-hmm. thing to kind of be like, oh, well, now I get this chance to, like, build up, like you mentioned, like, build up my articulation repertoire and kind of see more mm. of the positive things and not let myself tell myself these narratives that help feed my inner judges that negative perspective instead of letting them be helpful and kind mm. of more giving advice. So, yeah, so yeah. that was that was fun. <laughs> I kind of just finished my week, too, just trying to be... Yeah, listening to my inner judges, but without that negative slant and without making these assumptions about myself mm. and just instead mm. just being like, okay, well, yeah, articulation is unclear. Let's fix that. So instead of being like, I am a bad articulator or something along those mm. lines. But yeah, that was kind of my, my week too. That's like a lot of yeah. deep thought going in there. I re- yeah. Yes. You did not dodge any bullets. I'm really impressed. Oh, so yes. But Jen, I want to hear about your week too. Did you continue juggling? Okay, well, did you delve into other other areas of the book? I did. <laughs> Basically, I did the opposite to you. I avoided all the hard bits of this book. You did all the hard bits, like the, the soul searching, <laughs> The like really coming confronting. It was like what is that Star Wars part where like Luke has to go into the cave oh. and see the dark side. You mm-hmm. know, he's just like confronting the fears. <laughs> he comes out the Jedi Master. Oh right. Anyway, I feel that's what you did. I did all the fun ones, which I could find, which is the juggling and the dancing. But I can't avoid it forever, so I will. I I'm I'm you've inspired me. I'm gonna sit down and have a good long think. So I can I kind of continued a little bit um, what I did in the week one. The second week I, I looked at a lot at the chapters eight and nine where she's talking about visualizing. Yeah, I got really drawn into this idea of visualizing. So, I mean, it's not an un, unfamiliar concept to me because several teachers have kind of mentioned it and used it um, in the past. But I think what took me by surprise was how far she took it. Mm-hmm like the challenge of that she will play through her whole piece perfectly. So I did it with, um, I did it with Mozart concerto in G cause I've been playing it for years mm. and sometimes it can just feel like I'm going through the motions and I tend to do the same thing is wrong. Oh, no. <laughs> A lot. Um, you know, you got all your little, you got your little section, which always kind of, it's never quite as you want it to be. Um, yes. So 
I sat through and decided, right, I'm going to visualize it. I'm going to visualize it as I want to play it. And the first couple of times I visualized it, I visualized it exactly how I play it with, Mm -hmm. with the, with, in the way that I didn't want, like the, the big expansive sound that I wanted at the beginning and the the really light run going down, Mm -hmm. I couldn't. And I realized that the the reason I'm having problem with that opening, because it's never as I want it to be is because when I tried to visualize it, I didn't actually know what I wanted it to be. And that was really confronting and also kind of annoying because now I realize why I've never been able to play it <laughs> satisfactorily for the past years, 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 years. So that was, that was, that was my <laughs> light, bulb uh, light on moment. <laughs> it was, that's, that's the word light bulb moment, not light on. I moment. like light oh on gosh. though. Light bulb moment. Because <laughs> it likes to God. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it was my little light bulb moment. And then I had to sit down and actually think, actually, what do I want it to sound like? How do I want the phrase to go? So that was actually really fun. So I danced it a bit oh. and um, danced to a few recordings because it's always good to get inspo from those Babo players. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, I, and I found like a few versions, which I really liked different parts of what they had done and ideas. And then, yep. And then I tried to sat down and visualized it. And, um, and yeah, it went a lot better and was a lot more consistent than I had before. So I think, but I find it takes, oh, wow, it takes so much concentration visualising a whole piece from beginning to end. I hadn't realised, like, how much my brain must be switching off while I'm playing. Yeah, that was very eye-opening and very <laughs> helpful. So I think this is going to be, well, that's Vedic territory, so I'm going to But I, I found that very, very, very helpful. And then continuing my doing all the fun bits of the book, um, I also did improvising because why not? But yeah. I, what I loved was her um, her premise that the improvising kind of encourages exploration on your instrument mm. with no judgment. And that was very freeing because then I guess that was me playing without um, almost like my inner critic. Mm-hmm turned on it was me giving myself permission to just to play to make a sound and to enjoy myself and to have fun and to not worry about rules or anything like that um so I found that very free and quite cathartic and that sounds like a nice way to end week too so Jen what do you want to tell me your verdict then so what did you think did this book change your life did it uh, improve your juggling skills are you now a professional dancer (laughs) you read this book and you realize why this is one of the top three mentioned in music conservatories yeah she's pretty incredible and and just the way she writes and I love that she's got her exercises in each chapter but she pads it out with real life examples from her lessons and workshops so you get to see it in application because I'm I'm terrible with like abstract ideas, mm-hmm. but when I see something practically in action, then that really helps me connect with an idea and what the kind of goal is and how I could apply that to my life yeah. and to my plane. So I think this 100% is going to be one of my go-tos for, um, I really want to explore it more and incorporate more of these ideas into my practice and just see where it goes. Cause I think, um, yeah, she's got this, this book is like full of great ideas. So this is uh, well and truly on the stand. Woo-hoo! Alex, how 
Is it better than you remember from 17 years old? <laughs> Thank you for phrasing it like that too. <laughs> um, uh, yes. Um, so, I mean, I guess the fact that it has come with me across three continents in some form is a sign of how much I revere this book. <laughs> and oftentimes a, a few flute players have come and stayed with me uh, before auditions in various locations. And sometimes if they're really nervous, I'll recommend, oh, well, try reading a little bit out of this book before you go to your audition. They always come back. They're like, whoa, this book's really good. I'm like, I know it's the best. So, um, and I love that it's like a different way also to practice right because like there's the mm. the physical aspect of practicing and then the mental aspect of practicing and like the psychological aspect of practicing which also goes hand in hand with the mental but uh, this is uh, because it's not necessarily you don't need your instrument to read the book you like it is helpful for some of the exercises but you can also just you know especially coming into fall curl up on the couch with this and read through it and she tells you all these stories and oops she tells you all these stories of her students and how different things that she had tried helped them and the effect it had. And it gives you kind of the permission to also try them. And so I like that it's mm. a, another way to approach um, uh, to approach practicing. It's kind of like there you can mm. do it on the couch a little bit. You can play it with your flute a little bit. And it's very mm -hmm. like um, it's in a very safe circle for practicing like, you know. You're allowed to make mistakes. Mm. You're encouraged to make mistakes. And often when you are given that permission, mm -hmm. then the mistakes disappear. And so, mm. yeah, I mean, for me, it's definitely going to stay. It's going to stay with me forever now that I've got my first edition. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Holy moly. Um, so, uh, yes, it, it'll definitely stay with me uh, on my stand or around my stand. I think I'm going to try and uh, read this maybe like not maybe once a year or once every two years, just to kind of refresh yeah. it and think of these uh, different ideas that she brings up. Ooh. But yes, I would also recommend this book. It's staying on my stand in my house, in my life. What two a weeks. good fortnight it has been. It, it, yes. <laughs> well, thank you for joining us on what has been a very eventful uh, practice odyssey. Not every day that we juggle and dance and um, wrestle with our inner, our Demons inner problems. <laughs> so uh, if you want to follow us with our next odyssey, which actually is also going to be pretty weird. Um, so you can find us on all podcast platforms. Um, if you discover a platform which we're not on, please let us know. And yeah, yeah. Uh, who were the who were the people who owned your book? Oh, <laughs> uh, Daryl or Cheryl Stevens? Yep, Daryl and Cheryl Stevens. You know, as we mentioned before, you owned Alessandra's book once before. If you're listening, <laughs> please don't hesitate to write to us at thepracticeodyssey at gmail dot com. Um, and let us know what your reactions were to the book. And in fact, any of our listeners, if you've read this book, um, let us know what you think and uh, feel free to write, at us, uh, write to us. We'd uh, really love to hear your thoughts and stories on what your impressions were of this. Look, if you're feeling inspired, leave us a rating or comment on Apple Podcasts. Um, you can also uh, find us on YouTube so you can subscribe to our channel there. So you will be updated every time we uh, upload a new episode. Um, mm -hmm. And we're just on YouTube um, as the Practice Odyssey podcast. Uh, the music in this episode was, as usual, from the fabulous Alessandra Woods. And our show art is from uh, Ivan Potter-Smith. So thank you very much. Anyway, thank you for listening. Hope you have a great fortnight. Bye for now. See you next time. <laughs> <laughs>